we will certainly look at the events of the week and the ideas that undergird them, but it's a very fun week on our Advent calendar. We get to talk about week three. The theme is joy. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. Oh, 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 Underneath me right now as I speak is Reliant K singing the words, the lyrics to this song. Shepherds, why this jubilee? Why this song prolong? I think it goes something like that. And the reason for that is the joy of the Advent season and Christmas Day, and we're going to dig into that in just one moment. First, my name's Corey Truax. Thank you for listening to the Corey Truax Show on his radio talk on Saturdays or wherever you find podcasts. Thank you for doing so. You can find the show and on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcast. If you want to support the show, you can find it at anchor.fm on your web browser. You can also find me at coreytruax.com and wherever uh, the social media sites are, you can find me there as well. Once the Advent Week th- content is finished, I had a, I don't want to call it a pe- an epiphany. I just started thinking about, over the years, all the many people and public figures I've been around who pronounced big events. They... they they would, uh, let's go with prophesy or uh, prognosticate about some crazy thing that was going to happen. And I think what I've actually found over my 34 years is the world's pretty normal. It's fairly predictable. So I want to get into some of that. I I have to revisit some of what's going on with COVID restrictions. I I don't want to continue to hit this over the head, but there are some deep undergirding things that we do have to deal with. And a couple other cases came up there. And I'm going to give a more full treatment to some voter fraud claims because a lot of you want me to do it do it differently than I have. And so I want to be a good servant to the listener. And so we'll get do some of that. So before we do any of that, though, I, I am one more thing. What am I? I am the pastor for teaching at Beachwood Church. Beachwood is now in our Advent series, Christmas series. I am I have been given the opportunity to do that Christmas series. You can find the sermons from that series on the podcasting feed. So I, I would highly encourage that. You can also find them at coretruax.com. Uh, and we also meet Sunday mornings, 1030 in Greenville, beachwoodchurch.cc. I think that's actually beachwood.cc for more information. All right, here we go. Week one of Advent was the hope of Jesus's coming, his first coming, and now we hope for a second coming. Week two is the preparation for that coming. If you hope something will happen, well, then you prepare for it. And then it does come. The, the joy explodes. You hope for Christmas Day, your kids hope for Christmas Day, they prepare for it, and then the joy explodes Christmas morning with all of that stuff they open. There is the hope that you'll get to see those long-lost friends or family, and you prepare for it, you prepare the house, you book the flight, you rent the car, you do whatever you have to do, and then there is the joy, the explosion of getting together. There is the hope of the Christmas party and the this other Christmas gathering. There is the preparation for it, preparation of the food, of the gifts, and you get together and there is joy. Joy is that culmination, in this case, of what was hoped for. This is brought most clearly in the Christmas story through Luke 2, where we had some shepherds abiding in the field. That's how I remember reading it growing up. I think most of the modern translations say, Shepherds in a field or shepherds out in a field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord came upon them, and they were filled with fear. That something very opposite from joy, right? Fear and fear and joy are going to be quite distinct from one another, and they're first fearful because angels are terrifying. Anytime you see something uh, that is uh, otherworldly, you're, which I guess I never have, I suspect fear is the emotion that comes along with that, and that's the that is the the feeling they had, and then that angel had this incredible news. Actually said, I have good news. Uh, something like, fear not, I bring you good tidings or good news of great joy. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Tell them, I told them where to find it. There's a, a song or at least a chant, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those uh, with whom he is pleased. I think that's the more modern translation. Uh, and so... Then the, the angels go go away, and there is a joy. The, the shepherds go and see that it was exactly as the angels said. There was a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And as they go, as the shepherds go, they start telling people what they've seen. They start pronouncing that good news. Because joy ultimately does overrun its cup. This is one of the signs of joy. When, when your team scores in a... In a in a, t- a tight a tight matchup, something spills over. It, requ- it requires you just to hug a stranger, it requires you to to yell. Some kind of joy comes from it that you had a hope it was fulfilled, and there and there comes the joy out of it. There's all kinds of other illustrations we can give. Those hoping and preparing for marriage and get married. Those hoping and preparing for a child to be born and there's the child is born, and the culmination is the joy spills over. And what do we do with joy? We tell people. We want to recount the story of that, that one triumph. We want to send out the invitations of, of, to that wedding. We send out the announcements. We tell the world about the birth of that child. When joy is experienced, it is shared. That's the nature of joy. And if, if, any, of the, if any of these themes of Advent, hope, preparation, joy, love, if any of them mark this season to me in the American world, it is this one. It's joy. Now, granted, it might be more accurately said happiness is what marks our season. Happiness is the, 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 the image you get in the commercials. Happiness is what you see on television. That's, that's what the this, this season means, is happiness. And it's really important to, to be clear that happiness is not joy. We have something deeper than happiness that something more abiding called joy. One of the alternate themes this week is peace. And by the way, that was also part of the announcement of the angels to the shepherds. They brought good tidings of great joy, but then when the angels start singing, it's glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. And so there are these distinctions. There's There's joy and there's peace. And then there's these other things that maybe... In the American version, the modern version of Christmas, these are the markers where it's not necessarily joy and peace. It is happiness and lack of conflict or happiness and uh, ignoring of conflict. But that's not what we get. We get something much deeper. We have the joy of knowing that the consequence of having Jesus come is deep and abiding. That no matter the circumstance we're in, when things don't go our way, when some 
expectation we had is not fulfilled, when some desire we want did not come along in our family, in a relationship, with our career, with some entrepreneurial endeavor, whatever thing we wanted didn't happen, we still have an underlying joy. That, uh, or with peace here for that matter, even when there is conflict, there is an abiding peace because we we know where we're headed. We know the consequence of what having having Jesus come means that our confidence is placed in him. And so we can find joy in him. We can find peace in him. Final point I want to make on this is this just kind of gives me an opportunity. I, I revisited recently something that a bunch of theologians have talked about for about a century. And it's the idea, it's, which I should be careful here, this is theologians saying they think that all of the sins that we have, all the things that we desire and then will in sinful ways pursue them, all of them come from one of four core idols. And so to give you some examples of this, I'll give you the four core idols and how this connects to joy. All of us are looking for at least one of these things. Uh, so for some of us, it's more than one. For some of us, it's all four. We're all looking for power or influence. That's one, power or influence. Number two is control. Number three is comfort. Number four is approval. And so we, we go about ways to get those things because if we, we think if we will get one of those things, then we will have joy. If we can get power over other people or influence over, uh, over the world, if we can control people, control our own lives, then we'll have joy. If we can get comfort, we will have joy. And if we can get someone's approval, we'll have joy. And as we chase those things in various ways, what we often find is we can even get those things, and it doesn't bring us all the happiness or joy we thought we would get. But we do know this. When we lose them, there is no joy. And so here's this promise of Christmas. We'll find your joy in who Christ is and who you are in him and not in any of those other things. So I want to give you these four core idols. Ask yourself, even search your own heart for which of these is true of you. For some people, the core idol, the thing they want the most is power. They want influence. That is maybe that, uh, that comes out in people as in searching for fame, possibly. Or it makes them super entrepreneurial. It makes them very ambitious. And what they think their idol is, is a title. What they th- so Sometimes you, you, you think you figured out your own idolatry, and it's, it's a title or something. Uh, it's, a, it's a certain job. But really what they want underneath, what they're looking for underneath, is power. They want to know that they've made some kind of impact. For some folks, it's control. For some folks listening, to you, listening right now, your core idol is you think you should run everything. That there's not a thing on this planet that you could not run better than whoever is running it. And you need control of your life when you're, in, you're involved in an institution. You need control of that institution that it, you don't like being challenged. You're, you need control to have joy. And that might manifest itself in, in different ways where uh, you're, you, say you're, you say your idol or the thing you're chasing is order. You're just looking for, to create the most orderly world for everybody else. But what you're really looking for underneath is you're looking to control people. If you th- and you think you'll have it, you, you'll find joy. For some of you, it's comfort. So you might say, well, I think what my idol is, is materialism. It's the accumulation of stuff, or it's the accumulation of experiences. I, just, I want what this world has to offer, but really what it is, 
You just have a core idol of comfort and it's manifesting itself by looking to get those things. And then there is mine, my core idol. I know what was true of me. It, it, it's approval. Core idol is those around you, those you care about, think you're good, decent, high integrity, they can count on you, you're approved of. And so that can manifest itself in different ways. Again, one of them can be fame or notoriety. If I can get notoriety, well, that means people will approve of me. Uh, it, it manifests itself as people-pleasing. I, I always say yes, or I'm, I'm always going to try to do the thing that pleases people because well, that means I have approval. And so, connecting this to Christmas and joy, so we think if we can get influence, control, comfort, or approval, we will have joy. But when we are in an organization and we don't have influence, we, we lose it. When we don't have control over our lives, and if any year has proven we don't have control over our lives, it is this one, we lose our joy. When some circumstance comes where we don't get the thing we wanted materially or we don't get the experience we wanted, then we lose our comfort or, or someone does something in life that shows they don't approve of us and then we lose our joy. Well, here's how the coming of Christmas responds to that. We can rest in the fact that the person with the ultimate power is our very good God, our very good maker. I don't need power because he has it. I don't need control because he has control and I am in him. I don't need this version of comfort I'm, I, I am, I'm seeking because I, I get to walk in paths of righteousness. I get to, be, to lay down beside still waters and I'm comforted by the staff of my shepherd. That's a better comfort. I can lose the approval of someone in this world that I wanted the approval of because I know that through Christ I have the approval of my maker, the approval of my heavenly father. And so that's part of what Christmas would communicate to us as well. There is joy to be had Christmas morning. It is coming upon us so fast. If you're listening to this live when this episode comes out, we are just, what, 13 days away, I think, from Christmas Day. That joy is coming. But let us let that also have us orient our hearts towards the reality that true, true joy isn't in, in the things that we chase, that we think will make us happy, think will give us joy in this world. The true joy comes from knowing Christ his work, and knowing who we are in him. That's Advent week three. Next week, we will finish up our Advent series talking about love, and I'm sure, I'm sure I'll get nice and let's go with sentimental uh, about that topic next week. When we come back, I want to talk to you about that semi-epiphany that I had, uh, and we'll talk about some more COVID policy. That's where the world is right now, and also I think there are some deeper ideas we need to dive into. We'll get started on that when you come back for the rest of the Corey Act Show. Welcome back to the Corey Truax Show on his radio talk 91.9 and 92.9 and wherever you find podcasts. You can find me, and I hope you will, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Look for me, Corey Truax. You will find me there. Here's where I want to start. I struggle with not sounding pompous at times, and I know a lot of you just went, no, you? I I would never say such a thing. But we all know it's true. And there's a little bit of I told you so-ism and what I'm about to say. And I, I want to pull back as much as I can, but I also want to put out there, I know what I'm about to say I'm not good at, so give me some grace in this. I started thinking about where I was five weeks ago, six weeks ago, before the election. And even on the airwaves, saying things like, you know, pray for peace. I, I, uh, I'm nervous about unrest. 
like after the election, some kind of unrest happening, no matter the outcome. And there were, on the left, there were people saying things like, watch out for this election, and after it's over, roving militias riding through the streets. And there were folks on my side talking about riots in the streets, no matter the, the outcome, and things being destroyed. There, were, there was a, a lot of talk on both sides about election fraud. I know we're going through a lot of that right now, and I'll get into that later in the show. But election stealing, and there was a lot of worry about unrest. And uh, out on the left, there, was, there were claims of, you know, it's going to end up being Donald Trump holed up in the Oval Office having to send in like SEAL Team 6 to remove that overweight elderly man because he won't leave. And, and he's not been super well behaved, but he's done the perfunctory things. Like someone asked him if the Electoral College elected Joe Biden, if he'd leave. And he just said, yeah, he'll, of course he'll go. And it's even becoming more clear he's planning his next, his next run. And so there was all of this concern on left and right of this disastrous unrest that would come after an election and refusal of, of, of exchange of power and all that really didn't happen. We actually just ended up having the biggest turnout in American history and there's some irregularities and things to figure out and certainly around mail-in balloting there's some issues we got to solve for the future but everything was fine and everything is moving along quite normal. It took me back to 2008. No, I'm sorry, 2016. And people that I generally like, people, and some people in my own life that I like a whole bunch personally, were showing concern that Barack Obama will never leave the White House. He will declare martial law, and he's never going to leave. And, or, and, or, and for that matter, uh, Hillary Clinton was going to r- rig the election or something. Okay, well, Donald Trump won, and then... Hillary conceded, and then and Obama left, and everything's fine. Just the normal stuff happened. And here's where I, I came to: is there seems to be on all sides, and, and uh, of of any given issue. So you think left, right, think secular, think Christian. There's of of all stripes. There seems to be some group of people who thinks the time in which we're living is always going to be the extraordinary time. Is always going to be the time of uh, uh, that that makes history. When really most of life is just pretty normal. Matt Chandler, pastor at Villas Church, says it this way. Most of life is made up of Tuesdays. You know, every other day of the week has some emotion attached to it. Monday has, you know, the dread of it. Or maybe you, you tackle Monday, you really enjoy it. Uh, Wednesday has that hump day. It's middle of the week. Thursday has the anticipation of tomorrow's Friday. And then Friday party, right? It's Friday, Friday. Uh, and so it's a lot of fun. Saturday's your weekend and rest. Sunday for a lot of us, it's, it's church. And then the anticipation of the week. And then there's Tuesday. Just nothing attached to it. It's just, just Tuesday. And that's most of life. Most of life is just made up of Tuesdays. And so I had that realization or I, you, can't call it, you can't call it an epiphany of any sort, but I've lived now through... Uh, I guess what's going to be three, four administrations of my lifetime through some presidential elections. And there's, there just seems to be some folks that always think something unprecedented that only happens in the movies and the novels, that that's the stuff that's always coming. And I'm just going to say this. Hey, maybe the world is normal. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should think that. Actually, I, I tell you who deserves a lot of credit. We don't give them enough credit. I mentioned this on the show a couple weeks ago, so I won't do it too long here. 
We should so inc- like credit the founders. They have built such an enduring system that these things that people think are constantly going to happen, that some people think, these life-changing, revolutionary events, they've just built such an incredible system to prevent those things. And they don't get enough credit for the stability, the, the structure they made and the stability that it provides us all, uh, how it's lasted now for over 230-some, 240-something years. So there you go. That's my, uh, my, my, I guess not my I told you so, but something related to an I told you so. It's maybe more of a call to you. As voices on the internet and on YouTube and where you traffic sometimes, some of the people in your life traffic these parts of the internet, where there's always something extraordinary that's going to happen. There's always something uh, unique going on or some conspiracy. Maybe the world's just normal. That actually happens a whole lot, that the world's just, just normal. And that's my last word on that. Okay, let's talk about COVID. You know, I, I say the world's normal and then I'm talking about a pandemic. But even that, we actually have had one before. Just about 100 years ago, we had the, the Spanish flu. I said last week that we need some court cases filed. Like we need to get these things settled. And I'm starting to see more and more stories pile up where it's blowing my mind is that, is no one gonna file a lawsuit? Are we not gonna settle if the American people are free or not. And so I want to play for you now some audio. This is from a business owner in, I think, I think it's Michigan. Oh, it's WWMT. Yeah, that's a, that's a Michigan station. Okay, so here's what they're doing. They are broadcasting outside of a, of a place, of a business that's supposed to be closed because by edict, they were declared they were supposed to close down. Again, I would argue no government, no government has the authority to tell you you can't go make a living. No government has the authority to tell you to shut down. The way that should work is people are responsible. If people feel unsafe, they don't come to your restaurant. If people feel safe, they'll come. So, But you get to go open the doors, and then it's the customer's job, it's the customer's right to choose what to do and what not to do. And then the owner of this business comes out and starts talking to the reporters who are reporting outside of his restaurant. This has gone fairly viral. I mean, I'm, the version I'm looking at right now has about 2 million views. Uh, so this is a, a restaurant owner in Michigan who's supposed to not be open, but he is open. The Consider the audacity, the gall he would have to open his business and try to make a living for his family. He's being charged $1,000 a day. He's racking up fines, $1,000 a day and uh, for, for breaking the law. I guess it's not a law. I, I, I keep saying that. It's not a law. It's just an edict from the governor. And so there's some deeper thoughts to get here, get to here, but I want you to hear from him. He starts a little bit off mic, but then that uh, reporter gets that fixed. So here is this guy that I can't remember the name of. He owns a business in Michigan. Here we go. They gave it to who? Special interest groups and campaign donors. I'm Dave Morris. I own the place. So what's- okay, so his name is Dave Morris, and he owns the place. That's the restaurant. He makes some claims in here that I don't think are quite true. And uh, that's okay, because we're going to clarify some of these. But this is a man who is trying to run a business and, and make his life work during a pandemic, talking to this reporter in Michigan. What's going on? What's going on? You know what's going on. Tell me. You tell me. Hey, we got a government that has taken the stimulus money. They gave it to special campaign donors. They gave it to special interests. They abandoned me, and they have put me in a position where I have to fight back. Okay, so one, I don't. I don't know that's totally true. The, the CARES Act money went to special interest. You know, I think what a lot of folks miss is a lot of the um, 
campaign, excuse me, a lot of the CARES Act just goes to local governments, goes to counties and states and cities, because counties, states, and cities, most of them at least, can't run deficits. They're not allowed um, by constitutional amendment of their own, or, or just constitutional setup, they can't run deficits. And so the federal government then borrows money, sends it to the states. So I don't know that he's right about that, but uh, he says that the federal government abandoned him, and now he's got to fight back. Okay, so do you feel that this is the right thing to do? Absolutely. I feel everybody needs to stand up. Hey, listen. So real quick, that's that one is starting to get to me. I, I really am, I am naturally oriented towards peace. I'm naturally oriented against conflict. And I am naturally oriented towards a certain reading of Romans 13 and 1 Peter that the, the Christian ethic is one where we, we try to be good citizens by obeying the government, obeying the laws. But there's something, something happening in me internally, but I think also just happening in this unique time this, this is part of the deeper, I was telling you there's, there's deeper things happening here. This is one of them. There is also a biblical mandate for a man to take care of himself. There's a biblical mandate for a man to take care of his family. And so I've got a man here who has a wife and, a, and, and children. He is biblically bound to provide for his family. And a government comes along and says, you can't. You can't provide for your family. We will shut you down if you do. We'll charge you $1,000 a day if you open your, your open your business. And then that government also, who the government is wrecking his life, that same government is not providing any kind of re- remedy. There's no, there's no way to do the thing he is biblically bound to do. And so if that's the case, who, what's he supposed to do? Is he supposed to keep his biblical, his biblical mandate to take care of his family or a biblical mandate to obey the government? And... I think I'm starting to land on this reality that the the, the realms of authority uh, is it starts with the family, and you have to first obey God before you obey government. And in this case, his his obligation to his family is greater than his obligation to his government. That's at least where I'm landing right now. If you have Argument against that, Corey Truax Show at gmail.com, Corey Truax Show at gmail.com, or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, look for me, Corey Truax. Listen, there was enough money to give every family, every family in this country, $20,000. So real quick, I fact-checked that. Yeah, sort of. I guess if you do the math that way, like you, you don't look at it per person, but you look at it per household, the amount of money we spent, those trillions of dollars we passed back in March, I think it was, March or April, that I guess technically... Every household could have been given about $20,000. I would have opposed that idea, but I see where he's coming from. To go home for two months. They chose to give it to special interests and campaign donors, the Kennedy Space Center, and they have been... They admit, I think he meant the Kennedy Fine Art Center, but whatever. So you could have given me money. I'd gladly walk away for 60 days and let this virus settle down. I'm not going to do it alone. So that idea, I, if you'd have given me the 20 grand, I would have walked away for two months and let the virus settle down. I don't even know if that's a good thing, a, a good place to be. I'll, I'd gladly just take money from the government and walk away and let the, the virus settle down. Also, scientifically, I don't know if that's how that would have worked. Usually with these shutdowns, all that happens is you delay what was always going to happen. Viruses are going to run their course. And so if you shut down, you just delay them running their course. You don't end them running their course. You just delay it. But even that ethic, I mean, that he lays out, I, I will say I appreciate it. He's saying, I'm not, I don't want to be a scofflaw. 
I would have taken the support from the federal government and shut everything down. But I didn't get the support. And now I have to take care of my family. Okay. Are you going to continue to violate the state's orders and this stay open? This is state order. This isn't an order. This is a conspiracy. This is a tyranny. Oh, boy. So hold on. So it isn't a state order. That's true. It's also not a conspiracy. I wish I could be arguing this on his behalf. Because it's not a state order. The legislature didn't do this. Just the governor. The governor just said it. I declare we're not having indoor dining. Okay? Well, you don't have... Where, where did you think you derived that authority? As I was arguing last week with the Ninth Amendment, I've got freedom to upri- operate my business. If you want to deprive me from being able to operate my business, you're going to need to establish that for me through uh, the 14th Amendment. What, what have I done uh, that you can provide, that you can deprive me of life, liberty, or, or property? So it's not a conspiracy. But it is an edict. It's an edict that I don't think the government had the, the right to, uh, to, to impose. I'm going to rewind this just a bit, and here is more of this business owner out of Michigan. This is a conspiracy. This is a tyranny. What do you want to tell Actually, oh, that's, that's why I rewinded it. I couldn't remember what he said. Tyranny. Important word. If you look up tyranny, you're actually going to find that it's someone who uses their power for their own pleasure. They get pleasure, they're, they're entertained by the power they have and, and using it and wielding it. And I do think that that's what COVID has done. There are some petty tyrants out there. They're the, the kind of kids who got hall monitor power as a kid and abused it. We've all been under tyranny. It's just tyranny of the, the person you called at AT&T or DirecTV and they had a little power over you because you needed them and so they treated you poorly. You had the tyranny of a bad boss. So it doesn't mean dictator. It just means someone who has power and uses it in a way that gives them entertainment or, or pleasure. Uh, all right, here's the last little bit of this business owner in Michigan. Tell other restaurant owners who... Wake up, stand up. This is America. Be free. That last one, that part, be free, that's the part that I that did resonate with me. You, you probably heard me there. There was a lot there I didn't resonate with that I'm not a, not a fan of, but, or I just thought was incorrect. But that is, man, I think the key, maybe one, the other part of this, the deeper thinking, is, hey, America, be free. That's the call. There's the one part of the deeper thinking I'm starting to struggle with. When the government tells you you, you can't make a living for your family, are, do you take the biblical mandate to your family or the, the biblical mandate to obey your government? And I'm landing on take care of your family. But then the other, the other thing is, uh, the deeper thought, is that question of freedom. And this... This gentleman in Michigan, he's just making that call. Go be free. And that is the, I mean, that is the logical thing. It has been the logical thing the whole time. Everybody just go be free. If you are fearful, if you are vulnerable, you use your freedom to protect yourself. If you are not fearful and not vulnerable, go use your freedom. And I say that in a time where we have some some upticks in uh in the, in the effect that COVID is having on things. But I also say that recognizing that there is life to be lived and we do have to go live it. The, the life that's being pre- prescribed that we all live is one I would argue, like, it's not even worth, it might not even be worth living. You just, you just stay in, stay in your house, shut everything down. Like, why are we even alive? Like, well, 
life is is to be lived and embraced and enjoyed. That's how how it should be. There was one other business owner that I wanted to highlight. So, uh, by the way, that Michigan guy, that's that's what I'm talking about, the lawsuit. Like, he needs to be not paying. He needs to not be paying that fine. That's $1,000 a, a day or whatever. And when they try to collect or uh, tr- try to punish him for it, that's where there needs to be an appeal. Like, we, we need these processes. They're very important for the future. For the future of American freedom, we need judges declaring... No, you can't do this. You can't just declare someone's business non-essential. Because hear this, every job is essential. Every job is an essential job. Your job, no matter what it is, it's essential to you and your family. You and your family probably can't persist without that job. So every job, every business is essential, and governments don't have the power to arbitrarily declare which ones are essential and and which are not. One other video that went fairly viral on this was a business owner in California she was told by the Los Angeles Board of Supervisors and Eric Garcetti there, uh, that's the mayor of Los Angeles, had to shut down all outdoor dining. Not indoor, but outdoor dining. And it's, it's wrecking her life. She's, again, not getting any kind of support. It's, it's ruining her ability to just support her family. For that matter, all of her staff and servers to support their families. And outside of her business, in the parking lot outside of her business, she starts seeing a bunch of tents go up and food service coming in. So outdoor dining. And it's because there was a movie being filmed and just a couple blocks over and that's where they're going to serve the movie crew. And so she can't operate her business outdoor dining, but they can set up mobile, a gigantic uh, mobile dining or outdoor dining setup for a movie. And this is the, the kind of problems people are going to be having more and more that's going to cause more and more uprising to oppressed is that it's, we're being shown so obviously that governments don't actually believe any of this stuff. They make, they make exceptions for their friends. They make exceptions for themselves. It seems that they don't actually have any real belief in the things they're doing anyway. And that's going to ca- cause people, I think rightfully, to not just be skeptical, but to start saying, you don't even believe this is going to be helpful. So I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not costing my family uh, the, the things that we need for something that you don't practice and that you obviously don't even believe. Okay, when we come back, I'm going to give a much more, I think, more thorough treatment of something a few of you have reached out about because I have been dismissive. I hate to use that. Maybe I have been dismissive of a lot of the voter fraud claims and I am settled in that Joe Biden is going to be president of the United States on January 20th. But I've done a good bit of reading. I want to make some things clear about this last election and the ones that are still coming uh, and give fair hearing to some of the claims being made by regular Americans about some things they saw and experienced during election 2020. So we'll get started on that when you come back for the rest of the Corey True Act Show. Welcome back for the final segment of the Corey Truax Show. Thank you for sticking with us. Remember, you can always find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And after this next segment, some of you might want to do that. Or reach me at CoreyTruaxShow at gmail.com. Here's the shortest version of the story of why we're doing what we're doing. I was filling in on his radio talk on the morning show for Dr. Tony Beam. He's the, the Tony part of the Christian worldview with Tony and Hannah. That is the morning show on WHRT, his radio talk. And I said of Sidney Powell offhandedly, this woman who files all these lawsuits, 
uh, said that crazy, crazy Powell woman. And maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. I understand why I shouldn't have, but I mean, she has said some, some crazy things while there are some, uh, some real merit to some of these lawsuits. She has said some crazy stuff. And so, uh, a caller called in, she was upset that I said so. And then some of you, I've heard from a few of you that my dismissiveness towards voter fraud claims is unwelcome and you wanted me to do more of the reading and at least give my case why I am not on board. So I'm going to do that now. I also want to give you this resource. I would say that the most pro, uh, the voice that is most making the argument, this election was stolen. Donald Trump is the rightful president of the United States, the rightful winner. The website that's most on that is the Epoch Times. So the and the Times part's easy. Epoch, or Epic, I don't know how you say it, uh, is E-P-O-C-H. So the Epoch Times. I'm actually curious, what does Epoch mean? I'm Googling it here as, as we go. A period of time in history or a person's life. Okay, that's what that is. All right, so just uh, the Epoch Times. They are making the argument, writing all kinds of articles about why we can know the election is stolen. I did a lot of my research there. I did a lot of reading. And so I, I went to a biased source. I went to someone to tell me why I should think I'm wrong. And so now I want to walk through some of that and try to use the my genuine thinking and the genuine tone I have around it. Starting here. There are some really disturbing claims in Georgia, in Arizona, in Pennsylvania in particular, those three, Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania, some really disturbing claims about behavior regarding vote counting, access for people to watch the vote counters. There are disturbing stories. Enough so that the governor of Georgia called on the Secretary of State to do a second round here of signature matching, not another recount, but uh, there, there were some really disturbing stories told to the state legislature of things that could be considered real cheating. And I heard them. I watched the videos. They're, and every single one of those claims, every one of those claims that at least has some evidence should be adjudicated. I think the the illustration is, is well taken from people who think the election was stolen. They, they talk about Christine Blasey Ford, the woman who, without any evidence whatsoever, made a claim that Justice Kavanaugh raped her when they were teenagers. And she got a fair hearing. She got paid attention to. So these people making claims should get a fair hearing. I actually didn't think she should have gotten a fair hearing. If you can't produce any kind of evidence, then you can go home. You can be quiet because you you cannot... That, that woman in particular, you cannot affect all 330 million of us. You can't grind to a halt a system because one woman makes claims that have no foundation whatsoever. That's an insane way to try to run a government. So, uh, uh, if these people can produce any evidence besides I saw it, then okay. But and, but again, a lot of things I did here, they're quite disturbing. I've seen some video that's quite disturbing. So, I want to go through these. While saying, again, I hear what I said at the start here, especially if you think this election was sideways. Some stuff definitely happened in this election that is fraudulent, that was cheating, 
Those are real. That stuff happened. So hear me say that at the start. Now, six states. Six states are primarily where the fight has been ha- is being had. Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, and Nevada. As I have been reading through the Epoch Times and through the, the lawsuits, when it comes to Arizona and Michigan, it, the case really is ultimately just Dominion software. There are some other minor things that, have, that took place. Some, uh, some voter irregularity, not checking ID in, the, in some places where you're supposed to. But we're talking there in a, in a way that would affect so few votes that it doesn't come close to covering the distance between Biden and Trump because it's tens of, no, nah, not tens of thousands of votes, but thousands of votes in one state and over 10,000 in the other. And so the entire thing hinges on, hinges on Dominion software. And it, as if like the, the claim being there that in those states, the software just made Trump votes, Biden votes, turned them into it. And there is voices in the Arizona legislature calling for a forensic audit in, of, of those voting machines. A Michigan judge in the other state has ordered a review of 22 of those machines. And so the, that review has not been completed but at least there will be some checking. I am satisfied with the testimony of Dominion uh, and how they talk, how they've talked about their uh, their election security. That I am, I, I am confident in their system. We we don't have a bunch of secretaries of, of state out there that are investing in systems that they they can't trust. I, I also have trouble with the. I have trouble with the logic, because if you remember, um, after the election, I talked about how the folks on the left seemed so upset, like they had won the presidency, but they were so upset because they wanted this big blowout. So I do wonder about the logic here, where they they cheated. You're you're saying the software cheated, but cheated to make it super duper close. They didn't blow Trump out. So they had the they had the ability to manipulate the vote, but they didn't get the what they really wanted. They just manipulated enough for it just to be a, a little bit of a loss. So it's I wonder why it's so narrow of a win. It's also a situation where House Republicans are going to pick up seats in some of those same states, not just in California, New York where they picked up seats. But also where Dominion software wasn't used to Give Democrats the Senate, where Dominion software is used in Iowa, and Republicans won their seat there and won their seat in Maine. It it seems to be this very narrow win for Biden that didn't affect anybody but Trump. It's I I struggled there with just the argument. So there's no evidence for it. There isn't any evidence that it happened, and the argument seems to be lacking. And, and what the uh, I I read the the thirty point document from Sidney Powell. Uh, about these voter fraud claims, one of the issues she she's what well, she has here is she's claiming that it's possible. She's trying to make claims and has some experts. So great, some cybersecurity experts claim it is possible for this to happen. That so what do you want us to do with that? It's possible, not that it. You're not even claiming it happened. That's a, that's a really important. They they don't actually claim in the legal documents that it happened. They're trying to get courts to decide if it could happen. That is, that's a claim so far outside of anything provable or normal that even the Trump people, you know, they could kick Sidney Powell out. She's, she is fired. She's now working out there 
sort of with Rudy, sort of not with Rudy, now working with a Democrat down in Georgia with these claims. And so that even if you could claim it could happen, that's not a claim that it did happen. And that's what's going on in Arizona and Michigan. In Pennsylvania, I saw the testimony of this truck driver who said, I drove ballots from New York to Pennsylvania. And he, there, there, there's, some, there's some answers that needed to, to be had there. He did not have any physical evidence. It's just his claim. And I do want that investigated. By the way, if he's lying, I want him punished. But if there's some evidence of that, we need to find out what that was. Why were there ballots in New York? And why were you driving them to Pennsylvania? But even in that claim, he said there's thousands of them. All right. It's a, we, don't, we don't know any other details. We don't know where those ballots were, if, if they were ever counted, what the, what the breakdown was. But again, it's not enough ballots to change the outcome in Pennsylvania. There is a suit happening right now that I think the Supreme Court is going to have to decide about Pennsylvania on a very important question. It does appear that their state constitution, in talking about voting, does not allow for just mass absentee balloting for no good reason. You just give it give people the right to vote absentee or mail-in in mass. That's just something the Supreme Court is going to have to decide. If Pennsylvania broke their own law by allowing mass absentee balloting. Now, granted, let's, let's say that happens. Let's say the Supreme Court says Pennsylvania broke the law in allowing mass absentee balloting. Then you have a question of what's the solution? What's the remedy? In legal worlds, we say, what's the remedy? So you've proven a problem. How do we remedy the problem? Well, if, you're, if the argument is that they broke the law, then why on earth would it be we switch the electors to Trump? You could argue, well, throw them out. The 20 Pennsylvania Electoral College votes go to no one. I could actually get on board for that. If the Supreme Court rules that Pennsylvania had an illegal voting system, okay, yeah, we can throw them out. We can't give them to Trump. There's no reason to do that. And by the way, the while it looked like that the Pennsylvania Senate was okay with trying to pick different electors for the Electoral College, the House has rejected that. So they're not doing it. They're not going to have different electors. But even if we found that Pennsylvania's election was illegal. You could throw them out. There's no reason to give them to Trump. Again, and that's also hear me saying, the claims from that truck driver, the, the claims of not being able to, uh, excuse me, that, that claim of the absentee balloting being straight up illegal, all that should be adjudicated. That's all true. In Wisconsin, there is primarily three claims that there is not enough, uh, there wasn't enough verification to get mail-in ballots that the government, uh, local governments irresponsibly left poll, uh, what are those called? Uh, mail drop-off centers. Like you, you can just drop your vote in one of these boxes that they weren't properly monitored. And that generally they, uh, Wisconsin was giving out mail-in ballots and absentee ballots without legitimate reasons. So apparently their law is you do have to have a legitimate reason to vote absentee. I'm on board with all those being adjudicated. Now, the number of votes in that in those boxes and the idea that there's not enough verification to be mailed in, I'm going to ask, what's the remedy? You, you overturn an election of where hundreds of thousands, or I think, and yeah, in that state, it was millions of people voted because you have proven the opportunity for fraud. There's, you could even say again, Wisconsin's electors, well, they shouldn't get to vote in the electoral college, but there's not a reason to give them to Donald Trump. There is some, some remedy here to go forward. Moving forward, we should be more careful about what, how we're doing voting. 
in Nevada. They are, they, they've proven to me people who don't live in Nevada voted in Nevada. And it's, it's, it's a few. It's maybe hundreds, maybe a thousand. And it's not enough to overturn it. Not enough to change the election. So the fact that you can even prove voter fraud in one state, why would the remedy be to give the votes to the other candidate? That you could again say, well, let's th- throw out the electors. But in that one, that would be unjust. Because you've proven, possibly, I think they have proven, at least in my opinion, that a bunch of people voted in that state that shouldn't have voted. Well, why should we discount the other 4 million people who voted in that state? That's not fair to them. In Georgia, there have been some serious problems. Like, there's a bunch of stuff I heard in Georgia that made me angry and needs to be investigated or needs to be people punished in some of those. And even, what I'm about to say here, I have a caveat on, but they did do a recount, guys. There was a full recount in Georgia. They matched up the number of ballots that came in mail-in. They matched up the, the, the number of people who came into voting centers. There's almost all reconciled properly. They're all within a few dozen. They recounted by hand those, because they have the same system we have here in South Carolina where you do vote digitally, but then you get a printout and then you submit that ballot. It wasn't just machines. Human beings touched those. There's a lot of people involved in that recount. Like There was this, this big... Uh, Fulton County voting vote count center and one of the big controversies online is well they took out votes to count after the election was over okay but again there was a recount so yeah they, they did a dumb thing those people should be punished for what they did but there was a recount and everyone was involved and so all I'm saying here is yeah I've looked into it and I'm, I'm telling you I don't know what the remedy would be to your the, the only remedy I can think of in some states is just have them not vote at all but there's not any reason to just turn over those electoral college votes to the president, the current president of the United States. So I hope I gave that some fair treatment. If you have responses, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or email Corey Truax show at gmail.com, Corey Truax show at gmail.com. Next week, we'll come back with, I think that will be the final week in the Advent series. And on the way out here, let me just say this with some genuineness. Thank you for listening to the Corey Truax show. I'm always grateful. I'll be back with another new edition next week. Until then, peace and love.